Uh, my name is Courtney Kine. I'm one of the third year emergency medicine residents at the University of Cincinnati, and this is uh, Russell et al. Uh, effect of fluid bolus administration on cardiovascular collapse among critically ill patients undergoing tracheal intubation, published in June 2022 in JAMA, uh, also known as the PREPARE2 trial or the Preventing Cardiovascular Collapse with Administration of Fluid Resuscitation During Induction and Intubation Trial. This was a multi-center randomized clinical trial looking at critically ill adult patients undergoing tracheal intubation with sedation and positive pressure ventilation. Uh, essentially, this trial looked at a common practice with intubation, which is empirically giving a fluid bolus just before the time of induction with the thought being that you're warding off hypotension or cardiovascular collapse in the peri-intubation period. It is estimated that about 40 to 50% of patients being intubated receive uh, a fluid bolus of some sort, peri-induction, and this study was actually a follow-up of the PREPARE-1 trial, which examined the same intervention of a 500cc fluid bolus given peri-induction in adults undergoing intubation in the ICU setting. That trial was stopped early for futility, with the conclusion being that there was no significant difference between groups. However, they did perform subgroup analysis that suggested there may be some benefit for patients undergoing intubation who received positive pressure ventilation prior to laryngoscopy, either in the form of non-invasive positive pressure ventilation or BVM, and so the PREPARE2 trial was born. Thinking from a physiologic standpoint, the logic of giving a fluid bolus to this group of patients in particular makes sense. Uh, positive pressure, decreasing your venous return, and decreasing your preload, uh, and thus predisposing you to things like hypotension, decocardia, cardiac arrest. Um, I chose this paper because I thought it was relevant and useful to our practice in the emergency department, especially as I think about how to best care for my patients in an evidence-based manner as a budding resuscitationist in the SHREW this year. Uh, as residents, were told over and over again um, to resuscitate before we intubate, and I think that means different things to different people if you're thinking about pre-oxygenation versus hemodynamics. But one thing I do see commonly asked for, especially last year, performing intubations as uh, the R2 in the shrew was a fluid bolus around the time of intubation. And whenever I see something that we commonly do, I think about um, the evidence or lack thereof behind it. Uh, so in terms of the details of this trial, it included a total of 1,067 adult patients between 11 centers, specifically ICUs, who were randomized to either receive a 500cc fluid bolus or no fluid bolus just before the time of induction of anesthesia. The primary outcome of interest was cardiovascular collapse between the two groups, which they defined as one or more of this constellation of events. First being a new or increased vasopressor requirement between induction of anesthesia and two minutes after tracheal intubation. A new systolic blood pressure less than 65 millimeters of mercury between induction and two minutes after tracheal intubation. Or cardiac arrest or death between induction of anesthesia and one hour after intubation. Their secondary outcome of interest was death within 28 days. Excluded patients included pregnant patients incarcerated patients, and patients in whom intubation was felt to be too emergent, uh, and so who thus were not able to be randomized given time constraints, or those for who the operator or proceduralist felt a fluid bolus was either definitely indicated or definitely contraindicated. And once again, in order to be included, patients had to be receiving sedative medications for induction. So this is not your no medications, cardiac arrest intubation. Prior to laryngoscopy, they had to have a plan to receive either BVM or non-invasive positive pressure ventilation uh, prior to laryngoscopy. The fluid bolus was to be a 500cc bolus of isotonic crystalloid of the operator's choice. 
and the study called to infuse as much as possible of this bolus prior to induction of anesthesia, though without delaying the procedure, with any remaining portion of the bolus to continue running through induction and intubation. Given the intervention at hand, uh, blinding of the operators obviously was not possible, uh, given that there was a fluid bolus hanging in the room. Uh, management of the intubation, including choice of sedative, choice of paralytic, choice of pre-oxygenation strategy, and intubation technique was otherwise left to the discretion of the operator. Uh, I thought, interestingly, a uh, majority of the patients in each group, uh, fluid bolus and no fluid bolus, received Atomidate as their sedative and rocuronium for paralytic. And at the end of the day, about 97% of the patients in each group actually did receive either BVM or non-invasive positive pressure between induction and laryngoscopy as planned. In terms of the overall results of the trial, for the primary outcome of cardiovascular collapse, 21% of patients in the fluid bolus group and 18.2% of patients in the no fluid bolus group experienced some component of the defined features of cardiovascular collapse. This was not a statistically significant difference. And notably, if you break this down to each component of what the authors defined as cardiovascular collapse, there was no significant difference between groups in any one of the aspects. So looking individually at hypotension, new vasopressor requirement, cardiac arrest, there was no difference between groups. Um, and I thought this was important since obviously we care a little bit more about cardiac arrest and death than just a new presser requirement or some hypotension that we can manage in other ways. There was also, perhaps unsurprisingly, no significant difference between groups and the incidence of death within 28 days. So, the authors concluded that there was no significant difference in the rate of cardiovascular collapse with a 500cc fluid bolus prior to induction in critically ill adults undergoing tracheal intubation with positive pressure ventilation. I think this trial had a lot of strengths going for it. It was a multi-center trial. It was well-powered. They actually increased their... Uh, sample size midway through the trial in order to uh, reach their the power. Uh, they had good randomization with similar characteristics between the groups. If you look at the paper, 99% uh, of the patients randomized to each group actually did or did not receive their fluid bolus as they were supposed to. And 97%, as I said before, uh, received positive pressure ventilation uh, as they were planned to. The endpoints were clearly defined. The outcomes of interest were clearly delineated. Uh, some limitations of the study obviously include the lack of blinding um, and any bias that that may have introduced. Um, that this did not include patients requiring the most emergent intubations and thus likely we cannot entirely generalize it to um, the cardiac or respiratory arrest populations. As well as the lack of account for patient fluid balance prior to the immediate pre-induction period which may have been considerably variable given that this was an ICU patient population, presumably in which a significant number of patients may have received IV fluid bolus already in the emergency department or earlier in their hospitalization prior to the decision to intubate. Another point of interest I had is that we were not explicitly given the dosages of the induction agents used, uh, which may obviously impact patient hemodynamics. And uh, interestingly, as I said before, a majority of patients re received Atomidate, uh, which with some of the newer literature showing possibly some adrenal suppression with Atomidate may lead to hypotension, which may be less amenable to fluid bolus versus vasopressors or other interventions. Uh, one other interesting aspect I did appreciate was the inclusion uh, in the study of actually the reasons uh, that operators decided to exclude patients for those reasons of either thinking a fluid bolus was contraindicated or definitely indicated all of which seemed like good reasons, uh, fluid bolus contraindication in patients with severe pulmonary edema or with uh, severe pulmonary hypertension, and then 
most or actually all of the patients with a fluid bolus thinking to be definitely indicated were thought to be hypovolemic or in hypovolemic shock. And so I think that actually echoes my major takeaway from this paper, uh, which is that we need to be thoughtful in how we resuscitate before we intubate. Um, and working in the emergency department, obviously we're working with a limited amount of available information about patients when they come in in extremis. Um, and so I think in applying the results of this ICU-based trial to our practice, I think it's important to consider the information available to us in the pre-intubation setting. And so I think certainly we should avoid giving a fluid bolus as a knee-jerk reaction in this setting, but if a patient is thought to be hypovolemic based on available information, this is likely reasonable. Um, and if not, it likely will not benefit them, but doesn't appear to clearly cause harm. I think overall, uh, this will make me and my practice pattern even more likely to reach for push-dose pressors early in the peri-induction setting if I have concern for possible cardiovascular compromise with intubation rather than defaulting to a fluid bolus. <laughs>